We posted on our social media right after the flood happened, we are not leaving, this is our home. Hello, and welcome to Art Restart, where we explore how artists are reinventing their fields and building a new landscape for the arts. I'm Piercarlo Talenti, the producer and editor of this podcast, which is brought to you by the Thomas S. Keenan Institute for the Arts at the University of North Carolina School of the Arts. In this episode, we'll be getting to know muralist, painter, and printmaker Lacey Hale. Four months ago, in July of 2022, Lacey survived a catastrophe. A record-breaking overnight downpour hit her hometown of Whitesburg, Kentucky, and the resulting flood destroyed her studio as well as a trove of works in progress. Though Lacey did not lose her home, or most importantly, her life, of course, sadly the disaster took 43 lives and displaced thousands of people. The next day, she woke up to find her community profoundly transformed by loss and by grief. But never did she consider leaving. The mountains where she grew up are in her blood, and they inspire her art just as she intends for her art to inspire the people of her corner of Appalachia. Lacey has been making art in Whitesburg since returning home from her studies at Pratt Institute in Brooklyn in the early 2000s, and art making has become her full-time occupation since 2017. In addition to being a painter and a muralist, she's also a printmaker, and over the years has created and sold an array of items bearing her designs. One of her most recognized creations is No Hate in My Holler a graphic she created in 2017 in response to a planned neo-Nazi gathering in a nearby town. No Hate in My Holler quickly appeared on billboards throughout the area and t-shirts and also became a popular hashtag, garnering attention from national media outlets. Lacey's murals can be seen in communities throughout Kentucky and Virginia. Among the honors she's received are the Eastern Kentucky Artist Impact Award, as well as grants from the Kentucky Foundation for Women, Great Meadows Foundation, and the Tan Foundation Award. In 2016, she also co-founded Epicenter Arts, which supports and advocates for art and artists throughout the Appalachian Mountains. I knew, of course, we'd be speaking a lot about Lacey's community in the interview, so I started by asking her if she'd mind describing it to us. I'm sure. So Whatsburg sits at the foot of Pine Mountain, which is the second tallest mountain in um, Kentucky. It's in the Cumberland Mountain Plateau region of the Appalachian Mountains here in central Appalachia. It's gorgeous. It's one of the reasons I love this area so much. Growing up here, um, you know, you could always run and play um, in the mountains and in the creeks, and um, there's a lot of wildlife, and it just lends itself to, uh, I think, very well to being creative and being artistic. It, it's just a very, very beautiful place to, to be. And your studio is downtown. What's the town like? The town is a, actually a town of 2,000 people, so it's very small. It is mostly composed of, you know, we have our courthouse and our lawyer offices and and then we have like um, restaurants and a, a couple boutiques and then we're lucky enough to have um, Apple Shop here uh, which is the media organization that's been around since 1969 so it's a really it's really kind of a cool little funky artistic town in the mountains of eastern Kentucky 
So it must have been a big deal when you decided to leave to go to New York to attend Pratt. But what went into that decision? How did you make it happen? Well, I, you know, in high school, the the farther along I got, I mean, I knew, you know, from the get go, whenever I got into art, I um, into the art classes in high school, my art teacher was like, this is something you should really think about pursuing. And I took every art class I could, actually. And my guidance counselor was like, you know, okay, you should take anatomy, you should take biology, you know, you should um, expand your understanding of the human form. And, and, and then we were looking at colleges that, that had good art classes or art schools. And I grew up really poor, so I didn't see how I could actually afford to go to an art school. But my community actually, whenever I was accepted to, I applied to, to a few schools, but I was accepted to University of Louisville and Pratt Institute of Art. Those were the two that I were, I was considering. And I got a full ride to U of L, but you know New York was obviously the place to be, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so I, you know, I was like, how can I make this work? And my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and my dad was a radio engineer, which sounds kind of fancy, but it, he did not get paid very well, and so um, we were trying to figure out how that would work out. My community, actually, my you know my art teacher, my high school art teacher, and guidance counselors, and people in the community rallied around me and helped raise money to send me the first year. Wow. So, you know, from that point, I think, and I didn't really realize it. I mean, it was obviously like it made an impact on me then, but looking back from this point and since then, you know, once I moved back here, I can see how that has informed my art making ever since and how it it has like really made me think about my art in a way that um. I want to to work in the community. So getting to Pratt was really like my community believed in me enough and wanted to see somebody from here succeed. And so they wanted to send me there. And so I got there because of, of them. That's amazing. Well, my next question was what made you want to return? But I, I can certainly see one of the reasons is the generosity of your community Yeah, wanting it- to pay it back in some way, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was that. And also I didn't have enough <laughs> money to finish my, my schooling up there. It was really expensive, um, but you know, I, I was there for a couple of years and I had to come back home, but you know, I, I, I did move kind of away. F- it wasn't too far away, but um, three or four hours away from here. And then, and then I decided to make that the move back to the mountains because it, I have a design that's um, you're in my bones like the mountains at home because that's one thing that if you're from here, I think it just gets in your bones and it's hard to it's hard to shake it for some people. And especially when you've had those experiences that, you know, the community has made on me here. Um, yeah, I, I knew I wanted to come back here and, and be here and live here and, and do things for the people here. What role do you want your art to play in the community? And what role does the community play in your art? Whenever I did move to Pratt, and even sometimes, you know, whenever, you know, people from Southeastern Kentucky, even if some of us go to like Lexington, which is three hours from here and still within the state of Kentucky, sometimes we get made fun of because of our accent. (laughs) You know, it's, (laughs) it's, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, whenever I went to New York. Even within the state. Yeah, even within the state. I mean, you know, and, and in New York, you know, if I opened my mouth, like people immediately thought I was stupid. And so, you know, one of the things I feel like with my art that I should do is try to uplift the people in this region 
and you know I do a lot of printmaking I do a lot of painting fine art like easel painting and I do a lot of murals so you know I see myself in my art I kind of want to like help beautify our communities um I, I try to do projects public art pieces that also invite the community to be a part of so there's buy-in and they feel like they have helped plan and paint you know work on those pieces can you give an example of that Sure. There is one I did in 2019. I worked with Southeast Community and Technical College in Harlan County, and it's a baby possum reaching for some ripe pokeweed berries. And so the community helped kind of plan that. We had community meetings. We talked about what we wanted to see go up. And then the Harlan County High School students helped paint the mural. They did the underpainting. I laid it out in kind of like a paint-by-number system so that they could help paint. And then I went and did the overpainting. And then we had what was called the Mountain Mural Mega Fest so that community members could help. You know, the, the community came out, actually did that that mural on Polytab, which is like a fabric a parachute material that you put up like wallpaper and so the community could help install the mural too. So, you know, some of these projects I've worked on, I've had parents come out and be like, can you tell me what part my child painted? Or, you know, I mean, it's like um, people are really proud of these pieces. I just finished one up in Pound, Virginia of Granny Shores, who was a midwife who delivered over a thousand babies in the community in the early 1900s. And so they wanted to honor her. And so she is sitting in front of the mountains at like sunrise and then she's holding a baby. And that was done on panels on aluminum panels. And then underneath it, there's a quilt, you know, on her lap and around the baby. But I gave community members some of those polytab sheets um, and squares so that they could create their own quilt square. And so different community members got to paint their own quilt squares to go on that piece so that they could feel part of it. And one of the historical... That's an amazing idea. (laughs) Well, one of the historical society members, Margaret, she was one of the oldest community members there and she had been part of the, you know, planning from from the beginning. And I put her piece right next to the hand that was holding the baby and it really seemed to mean a lot to her. So if I can do a piece of art in a community, a public art, like a piece of public art like that in a community, and if it can make people proud to be where they are and be where they're from, that makes me feel like I'm doing something worthwhile. In your experience of the country at large, what are our biggest misconceptions about where you live and how is your art changing that? Probably the biggest misconception is that we're all white and straight. (laughs) Um, You know, this, you know, Appalachia is very, you know, it's a melting pot, just like the rest of the nation. I did a mural in a town not far from here called Neon, Kentucky. It's about 20 minutes from Huntsburg. They wanted to honor their mining, coal mining heritage there. And in the 1920 census, there were 32 different nationalities that were registered in the census and the, and they had all come, you know, they had all come to work in the coal mines. And, you know, a lot of those people came here and they stayed here and then they made livelihoods, their families, their homes here. The, this place is like very white, but, but there are people here that, that, that come here and live here and choose to stay here and, and are welcome here. Um, I mean, of course, 
this place has its issues, but we're not all backward and we're not all... Um, and there's a place for, for queer people there too? Yes. And that's one, you know, with, with No Hate in My Holler, that's one thing that I... That's that's one of my biggest pieces that I made. That's one of my proudest pieces that I've made. Talk about how you came up with the idea and then spread it around. So No Hate in My Holler came about in... 2017, I we got word that a group of neo-Nazis were coming to Pikeville, Kentucky, which is about an hour from here, to try to recruit. Um, and it was under the guise of, you know, white families needing to band together, you know, to save America or whatever. It was obvious um, what it was. And so I was actually working with the Appalachian Media Institute at the time at Apple Shop. I was doing some work for them. And um, we had a youth drop-in center. And one of the youth actually suggested doing a, an art and response day to that. And we all like thought that was an amazing idea. And so the night before I was... I love that it came from a young person. That's I know, amazing. isn't that? I mean, it was mm-hmm. just incredible. And so the night before I was just trying to think of what I could make for the next day um, as a, you know, some piece of protest. And, you know, a hollow here is, um, or a holler, um, what most people call <laughs> a hollow is because the mountains here, there's usually a creek and valleys between our mountains. And so a lot of people live between the mountains. And so the holler is where a lot of people, if they don't live in town, they live in a holler. And so um, it just popped in my head. No, like hate where Dolly Parton grew up. Exactly. <laughs> so, so that's, it just popped in my head. No hate in my holler. You know, so, some of my, be- some of my best ideas just, you know, if I'm taking a shower, if I'm like not actually trying to dwell on, if, if I'm doing something else, I like to not let my mind wander. So I had it kind of in the back of my head. Um, that I was trying to figure something out. So it was, I was doing something and it just kind of, that saying just popped in my head and I was like, okay, that actually is really cool. So the next day, you know, I do a lot of block printing and so the next day during our art and response day, that's what I, I carved this piece and printed it and posted it to my Facebook page and um, it really caught on. And from there, it has, you know, really grown. I've seen it. I've seen So I print my own shirts. I've got stickers. It's gone up on billboards uh, in three or four different um, towns in the region. I've raised was over. Was it displayed in the town? I forget the name of the town where the KKK was meeting up? Yeah, it was. It was. Oh, wow. So the merchandise that I make with it on, I always donate at least 25% of the profits from that. So um, I've gotten to donate over $7,000 to different nonprofits working toward um, equity and equality in Central Appalachia since 2017. It's probably the piece that I'm most proud of and I'm most well known for. Now, I hate to bring you back to that traumatic night, but I I wonder if you could talk about your experience in the flood. It sounds like it hit both you and your husband's workplaces, right? We were both self-employed, you know, I, I, yeah, his, so my, my studio was in the back of his store. So it was, yeah, it was, it was, you know, I've had several traumatic (laughs) incidents in my life, you know, people passing away that I loved and things like that. But this, this was on, this was a different, level of, you know, it just, um, even though our house was okay, you know, we lived up on a hill and we were all right, just losing our livelihoods. And then also just seeing, 
Um, I'm going to try not to cry, but (laughs) it's hard to not. But seeing other people, what they've lost and people that you know and loved. And like, you know, my cousin, her husband had to strap her and their baby and him to a electric pole outside their trailer to keep them from being swept away. Like there was like stories like that, um, that, you know, that you were hearing every day. It was incredibly intense. And so, you know, every day I would drive into town to try to clean up our store and there were just piles of debris from people's houses and, you know, and then they'd clean it up. And then the next morning there'd, there'd be, you know, 10 foot, high piles of debris again and and for three months i mean there's still piles of debris um and you're just because it's only been four months right was it in july right? it was in july Mm -hmm. yeah so uh it's it it just uh it just you know it's like when will this ever stop (laughs) you know but but uh, i feel like people do at least a lot of the people that i talk to feel like we're on the upswing and things are happening that are good. I mean, some people, you know, some guy walked in here the other day because we have, you know, the gallery space in the front and my studio is in here. And then we also have the record store in this building as well. So we're all oh, so of, the record store moved into the same building too. Yeah. So your, your husband's, you know, okay, it's cool. Yeah. Still so close it's to like, each other. yeah. So it's like a little, um, you know, it's like a little arts and music co-op now, but, but, you know, some guy came in here and was looking around. He was like, we're never going to re- reco- be able to recover from this. And I was like, you know, I just don't want, I don't want to believe that, <laughs> you know, and, and a lot of people have moved away because they can't rebuild, you know, they can't rebuild if their house was flooded and they do, they did the FEMA buyout or the, where FEMA buys their land. And that means the County actually own, will own their land. That means that nothing can ever be built on that property again. So where do they go? You know, and, and I think FEMA can only pay like $33,000 or something. I think that's the limit. So like, you can't build a house for that. I mean, you know, like, so where do these people go? What, you know, what, where are they going to go? Where are they going to live? So I know a lot of people have had to move away. And we already had an issue here of, you know, population decline and our young people moving out. But I, I really want us to to come out of this better if we can. And so that's one thing that, that I think a lot of our, our arts Can you group, talk about that? Like what? Yeah, talk about that. How, what in your uh, dream of dreams? What does that look like of you and the and your fellow artists coming out of this better? Well, we've we've been scheming some um, public art pieces that we want to do. But you know, one of my artist friends was like, "We yeah, we have to come out better than we went into this." And I was like, "Yes, I agree." So we, ha- yeah, how do we do that? How do we make this happen? I think artists need to be involved. Um, you know, in every, I mean, I just think artists should be involved in every level, level if they can in community planning and stuff, but we've wanted, we, we've looked for ways to be included in, um, in workshops and in, we want to do public art pieces. There's actually, um, a guy that lives here in town that he's known as the post-it Picasso and he does like post-it like with little post-its <laughs> murals <laughs> in the windows. And, and after the flood, he did like, uh, Muppets and stuff, you know, just like, I guess for the, you know, to, to brighten up the windows for the kids and stuff. And, and so that like any, any small thing, I think that our artists can do in that way, I think that's beneficial. And so, you know, those are the little projects that we've looked for if we can somehow be involved. And I, you know, I've, I don't know how many people have thanked us for opening this location up just because it, it makes them feel like that we're, 
coming out of this because, you know, an art gallery, working artist studios, the record stores back open, like it gives people a sense that, you know, there's some optimism here, like things are growing and it's not shut down. Right, exactly. And and that's one thing we posted on our social media right after the flood happened. We are not leaving. This is our home. I'm gonna start crying. (laughs) But you know, I mean growing up here, we wouldn't leave it. And uh when we were cleaning our store out down there you know, and, and I did a lot of my screen printing down there. I did a lot of my block printing down there. I had, you know, I just finished hand printing 215 cards for a project with a, a Silas House, who's a, an author, Kentucky author. They were going to go out with some of his books. And, the, you know, here was all of this just like scattered all over the store and like just flooded in this toxic, gross smelling mud. And, strangers i mean friends some of some of my friends and one of my fellow artists was there to help me every day which i will never be able to thank them enough but there were strangers complete strangers off the street that would just come in and just get down on their elbows and knees and be pulling carpet and just to help us and so Every day I'd, you know, start the day in tears and so grateful for these folks and then, you know, have to jump in and and um, and throw out so much of, of what we worked so hard for. You know, coming back to community, like there's no way we could have gotten through that and opened back up and been in this space if it hadn't been for the community. That's another reason that we wanted to make sure that people knew that we would not leave. And um, that's another reason that I want to be here to to make projects that our communities are proud of and that will uplift um, the people here because, you know, they this is a poor area and I grew up really poor. Sorry to get so emotional. <laughs> uh, it's been a very trying time for several months. Um But, you know, I really feel like art is, you know, it's very healing. And, um, you know, after the flood happened, I made a a piece. Um, It was just really a drawing. And it was of a a woman standing in front of the mountains. And her hair kind of came out and turned into... I couldn't do any artwork for, you know, two months probably. (laughs) Because I was just so... I was still processing everything. But I knew I wanted to. And actually for... Yeah. And, and actually for a little while I was like, I mean, it, you know, I was like, I would see, I would look at the, my jewelry on my nightstand and be like, I can't even wear that. You know, is this even, I mean, everything seems so trivial, you know, an art to me. I was like, I don't know if I'll be able to get back to that. I mean, it just seemed so, you know, people's lives were so upended and um, ours was, ours were too. And so, but after a couple months, like I was like, I've got to make something. I just, you know, felt like it was it was necessary, and so I'd made this piece, and it was a drawing that um, this woman standing, she's almost floating in front of a mountains, and her hair is kind of flowing out, and there, it, her hair is it kind of rolls into the mountains, it, it turns into the mountains, and she's holding the state flower, which is the goldenrod, in one arm. And then a dulcimer, which is a traditional mountain, you know, Eastern Kentucky mountain instrument, which is, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the dulcimer, but it's a lap instrument, stringed instrument. 
And at the top, it says Eastern Kentucky. And at the bottom, it says like resilient, strong, dignified here. Because there was a lot of, I saw articles, I saw comments being made, you know, like, well, why don't they just move out of the floodplain? Like, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and it's not that easy. You know, people can't always do that. And a lot of these places weren't even in the technically the floodplain, (laughs) you know, this, a lot of these places did not flood. Never in my mind would I have imagined that flood would have gotten up into the location where my studio was. The river that was next to our building was usually two feet deep. The river crested that day at twenty over twenty feet. That's, that's not that's like not you can't even imagine it. That's not no, possible. No. <laughs> so that's you know, there's no way to plan for that. And the night that night I didn't even know it was going to rain. Like I hadn't even looked at the weather. And I you know, I know a lot of people that just slept through, you know, they're they turned their phones off because my phone emergency alarm did go off that night. And I was worried about my mom. She lives right next to a creek. Like I couldn't get a hold of her. Or, you know, our cell phone towers were out the next day. Our power was out. The water was off. Like I couldn't get out of Did the holler. Did your mom get through it okay? She got a, yeah, thank, thankfully, okay. thank God. Yeah, she she was okay. Uh, it took me all day to even get out enough to see, but I couldn't get over to her because her holler was so bad. It was, the, the roads were absolutely destroyed. So National Guard was having to take food in and stuff to people where she lived. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, sorry to go on and on, but, <laughs> you know, it, it was, it was very, um, I've never seen anything like it. I've never, ever in my life um, been been through anything like this. And so... May, may you never see it again. Thank you, yes. So you mentioned, you know, combating population decline. What do you think would make it easier for an artist such as you to really commit to living and working in the town where they grew up or a rural town that they, they want to live in? I think, um, for one, art education is something, or at least... You know, I've, I've been thankful that recently um, more schools have been asking me to actually come do career days. Yeah, I actually just did a career day a couple of days ago. You know, students come up to me and are like, wait, you're an artist. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yes, I am full time. Like, and they're like, how? I don't understand. You know, and so I get to talk to them about that. People don't understand. They don't realize that that's a possibility. Um, and you know, whenever you know, I, I maybe I, I have to say one thing that struck me about your community pulling t- together to send you to Pratt was they weren't sending a promising student to become a lawyer or a doctor. They were sending you to become the artist you were meant to be. That's very moving to me. Well, yeah, I, I mean, and you can you can see right there, like it explains it, right? Like that's why I do what I do. To read a longer version of this interview and see some of Lacey's beautiful artwork, please head to uncsa.edu/artrestart. I bought myself a No Hate in My Holler t-shirt, and I love it, and I wear it with great pride. Personally, I think it would make a great holiday gift for any of your holler-living loved ones, wherever they might be living, actually. Check it out at LaceyHale.com. If you know of any change-making artists in your neck of the woods you think we should profile, I would love it if you'd let me know. You can find me on Instagram at PCTalenti. Our theme music is by Shanghai Restoration Project. I'm Piercarlo Talenti, and on behalf of the Keenan Institute for the Arts, thanks so much for listening. <laughs>